Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, podcast listeners, if you would like to support the show and be rewarded, head over to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. For just a small amount each month, you, the listener, can get some colossal benefits. Get access to new podcast episodes before anyone else. Join me on exclusive video hangouts. Get a shout-out from me on Twitter. I will even read your advertisement speech or manifesto on the show. Go to patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. That's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Gilbert Gottfried. Thank you for listening and support the show for the love of God. Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Frank and I are huge fans of, like, Harvey Corman, Hans Conrad, Hans Hall, Wally Cox, and Jim Backus. And our guest this week worked with all of them. We grew up watching him on shows like F Troop, and Mayberry RFD, and of course, the Ken Berry Wow Show. Google it. (laughs) And enjoy our chat with actor and song and dance man, Ken Berry. The Tie Bar is the leader in men's fashion accessories, loved by GQ and celebrities alike. The Tie Bar delivers high-quality products at unbeatable prices. Whether you need ties or bow ties for work or for play, the Tie Bar has you covered. If there happens to be a wedding in your future, this is the spot to... 
they aren't limited to ties either. Be sure to check out the great selection of socks, belts, pocket squares, scarves, and more. The best part is most of their products are below $20. By cutting out the middleman and selling direct to the consumer, the tie bar is able to keep quality high and prices low. You no longer have to pay for a quality tie. Your tie shouldn't have to cost as much as your shirt. Visit thetiebar.com slash Gilbert and use promo code Gilbert50. That's Gilbert50 by the end of February for free shipping on orders of $50 or more. The Tie Bar. Wear your good tie every day. Hi, I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest today is a TV legend an actor, dancer, and singer who's performed on stage, in feature films, and, of course, in hit television shows like Mayberry, RFD, and Mama's Family. He worked with icons like Carol Burnett, Dick Van Dyke, Lucille Ball, Helen Hayes, Abbott and Costello, Vincent Price, and Steve Martin. But to us and many of our listeners, he'll always be the charming and bumbling Captain Wilton Parmenta on F Troop. Please welcome to the show the multi talented Ken Berry. Hi there. Hi. Hi. <laughs> are you still cold? Oh, oh freezing. Freezing. <laughs> Where are you, Ken? In the valley? Uh, yeah, I live up in the North Valley now. Very nice. I've been up here for years. Well, it's it's not a great day today, but uh, uh, this is this is cool for me. It's about seventy. Oh wow! <laughs> Way to rub I like it in. To rub, I like to rub it in. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. now, Ken. First, let's start with how you started out in the business. Well, I. When I was a kid, um, I went to my grade school where they had a, a a fall carnival there every year, and you know you did bob for apples or or show off hobbies and stuff. And uh, there was a little auditorium, and I went in there just for the heck of it. And there were uh, a bunch of uh, singer dancers, or mostly tap dancers, uh, from a, a dance studio in Rock Island, Illinois. I'm from Moline, Illinois. And uh, and I, I looked, I watched it for a few minutes, and I said, "That's it. <laughs> That's what I want to do." You know, it used to drive me crazy. How you know how? Um, well, at least it happened to me. My uh, adult uh, friends and my parents 
would always ask you, a uh, kid, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, and I, I was, I really felt pressured by that. <laughs> I got to decide now, um, you know, fireman or whatever. And, um, and, and finally I knew exactly what I wanted to do and, and I've never changed my mind. You know, the business changed its mind. <laughs> sure. I, wanted, I wanted to be in motion picture musicals. That's what I wanted to do. So, and motion picture musicals died. And you and, idolized uh, uh, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and all those movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. And, 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 you know, I never gave it a thought. Uh, but, uh, you know, you talk about um, nearly impossible you know, you, th- you think about all of the people uh, who are great artists in other f- uh, fields, you know, I mean, and the field of athletics, how many great baseball players or basketball players or or great singers or whatever. But you, but most people can't name, you know, three great dancers from uh, from the movies, especially, you know. But uh, and and they stop, you know. I I always think of uh, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor in that order, and then I know a few of them. But then that was the business I was interested in, you know, Dan Daly, and Gene Nelson. Oh, sure, and, Dan uh, Daly. Yeah, sure, sure. So you're a kid growing up in Illinois. You don't have any family in show business. There's there's no connections to the business at all. You basically fall in love with movie musicals, and you decide that's it. That's where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I didn't know anything about how to go about it. And uh, today, uh, young people really have a have a, uh, a leg up because they've they've got uh, computers and they, and they can access all sorts of information. Uh, like for instance, the TV Academy has a, an archives. Sure. And they do interviews with uh, a lot of people who ha- had been successful in the business, and they talk about how it uh, it started out. And so y- you don't have to look around for those people, you know, and hope someday you'll work with them so you can sit and talk to them for an hour and <laughs> if, if they would sit there that long and uh, and find out exactly how they did it and uh, what can they recommend. You know, none of that was available back then. Now, when when you told your parents you were interested in following the footsteps of, like, Fred Astaire... Literally. Did, <laughs> right. did, yeah, right. did your parents think you were nuts? Uh, no, they, they, I was just talking about that just a minute ago. The, the, uh, I was so lucky to have the parents that I had. Uh, they were totally uh, supportive uh for my sister and myself, and uh, and uh, but they were a little cautious because I had I had uh, started guitar lessons once, I started piano lessons once because there was a piano in the house, uh, and I um, I just gave them up because they were too hard. <laughs> I had to learn more than four chords. So, <laughs> Yeah. So how how does a kid make it all the way from Moline, Illinois to to Hollywood? You you, you for your first uh, your first break was winning a, a local talent competition. Do I have that right? Yeah. There was a guy named Horace Height who started out in the big band business. Later on, he uh, had a, a big uh, giveaway show on the radio called Pot of Gold. Mm-hmm. They made a movie about it with uh, Jimmy Stewart, and I got, I got a job on the road. 
and I went on the road for like a year wow. with, uh, with Horace Heights Youth Opportunity Program. That's how that all started. And what kind of things but, did you do? What? What kind of things did you do on the road? Was it was it was a singing and dancing? Were you were you, were you doing? I did. I did. I was in the chorus. Uh-huh. I did. I did a, a featured uh, number with a girl, a song and dance, mm-hmm. and we did sketches as well. You know, and the band would come down and do sketches. You know, some of the guys got, got a kick out of doing that. Uh, I don't suppose you could do that today. I don't know what the union would say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, uh, but that's uh, what we did, and we did it for a long time. And uh, uh, I was actually in show business, and I was actually making more money than my father was making. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was making $90 a week. Do we have the timing right on this? You you, you went into the Army? Yeah, I went home and I... Uh, I finished high school, and then, then I went back to California to try to make it a show business uh-huh. and, and didn't know where to start, of course. I went back to Moline to uh, wait to get drafted, and so uh, I finally found out that you could volunteer for induction and get it over with faster, you know, so I did that. That was in for two years, and uh, I kept asking people about getting into special services because I actually was a... A professional entertainer. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> and nobody believed me, of course. And, and, no, and nobody, nobody could help me there either. You didn't have any so, video. You didn't have video in those days or film that you could show people to prove you were in show business. Yeah, and well, to take your word for it. You know, I, I, I heard films. when when Don Rickles was in the army, he also spent his whole tour of duty there telling them. Look, I'm a comedian. I can entertain. <laughs> they didn't believe him. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, well, it, it was it was a problem, and then I uh, I uh, came out of the field one night. I was uh, when I was in the army. I was in. I had artillery training, and then I went to. Uh, I went out on bivouac, this <laughs> artillery outfit. And uh, I did that pretty regularly. And then we came back into the post to the main. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm, I'm choking. <laughs> then, uh, and uh, the uh, the first sergeant was uh, talking. It was just before uh, retreat, and and he said, "Oh, oh, yeah, I was supposed to read this last week, but I didn't think anybody'd be interested." Uh, there's a talent contest at the main post tonight, um, and it, it turns out to be like 7 o'clock, and now it's 5.30, and I'm dirty. You know, I've been in a convoy, and the dust's all over. <laughs> so I ran into the barracks, <laughs> and I kept my tap shoes just in case, and uh, I threw a number together. In, a, in an hour. Yeah, down wow. uh, the only place where I could do it without scratching the floor, and and uh, was down in the latrine. So I put the summer <laughs> together in a latrine, and I ran over to the main post and won. And so the and the winner got to go to uh, New York and be on the Arlene Francis Soldier Parade show. Wonderful. And you got a week in New York, you know, and that that alone was gift enough. I didn't need any more than that. But then they called and they wanted me to uh, come and be join them in special services at uh, 
in Atlanta, uh, which was Third Army headquarters. Now, and so that's how I got into special services. And from then on, no more KP, no more guard duty. <laughs> that's great. With an act that you put together uh, in an hour and tap dancing in the latrine to practice. Yes. Fantastic. I, I kept doing that same number forever. That's great. Now, you, but you had, <laughs> you had an Army sergeant that helped you write letters. Oh, yes. That yes. was, that was uh, Sergeant Leonard Naboy. Well, that's great. <laughs> so Mr. Spock was yes. your Army sergeant. Yes. When I got into special services, it was Leonard who, who contacted me. I think he pretty much ran that office, you know, on that level. I think there was a, a lieutenant above him and then a captain and then a colonel who came in once in a while. But but I think Lenny pretty much ran it. And he was he was a real a doer. He uh, he put together a whole show that which he directed and wrote a lot of, and we did this big production thing for the uh, uh, not just for army personnel but for the, the citizens of Atlanta. Anybody could come. So here's a young Mister Spock and a young Captain Parmenter doing a <laughs> doing a doing a show business review in the in the army. Yes, yes, we did some Harry Belafonte tunes and. Wow. <laughs> so Leonard Nimoy would sing Harry Belafonte tunes. Yes, I can't remember what he did wow. on the show, but he was he, he emceed it to begin with, and then uh, introduced uh, people to do their numbers. You know, the wife of one one of the guys in the outfit came in, and she was a beautiful singer, and she sang. It was fun. Now, when- I'm telling you, I'm telling you that I, that was that was not like being in the army at all. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> no. Now, when when you were both uh, making your livings in showbiz, did you and Leonard Nimoy ever work together? Then, no, no, our our paths did cross. You know, when I got out of the service. Uh, uh, I knew uh, his wife as well, and they had uh, one child at that time. And so I, I would go, I'd be invited to dinner, which was nice, and I'd, uh, I'd go out there and have uh, dinner with him once, once in a great while. And then our, our careers just t- took us in different directions. Right. Although you both wound up working for Desi Lu in one way or another, since they, were, they produced Star Trek. That's right. Yeah. And I was I was in uh, I was under contract to uh Desi Lou. I went uh, Lucy came to see a, a musical review I was doing in Hollywood called the Billy Barnes Review. And she came backstage and asked if I would like to join them. Uh, she was putting together a talent program like the major studios used to have when she was young. Mhm. And uh, so I, I I got into that, and uh, and it was great because now I'm up to a hundred dollars a week. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was making fifty dollars a week at night, and then fifty dollars a week in the daytime. And uh, anyway, that, that several of the people who were in that group at that time uh, had some connection to uh, Star Trek. Um, yeah, I'm you, trying to remember yeah. the name. You, oh, Grace Lee Whitney was yes. one of them. Oh, Grace Lee and, Whitney, sure. Yeah. Now, you're. And Major Barrett, she married Gene Roddenberry. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. 
Now, you're our third guest uh, to be involved, to be discovered by Lucille Ball. Uh, we had one, one your co-star. Uh, Mr. Storch. Yeah, Larry Storch from F Troop. And, I've heard of him. Yes. <laughs> and Turner Classic Movie host uh, Robert Osborne. Oh, yeah, Bob. Yeah, yeah, he was in that group, too. Yeah, isn't that funny? Now, so you were you acted with Robert Osborne? Well, that, what happened is that it, it it didn't it was it was brand new, and Lucy really didn't have time to personally oversee it because she was now running the studio. It was her studio, and uh, she and Desi had divorced, and she got the studio, and uh, so she hired people to do it, and they were still kind of feeling their way. You know, we'd go in and we'd work on scenes or we'd work on uh, a number, a musical number, <coughs> with no particular aim in sight except just doing it. I guess that's what they did, like uh, at Metro when they were doing all those wonderful musicals. You know, the, the uh, I even I, I've seen clips of uh, from movies that. There's somebody singing and dancing that you wouldn't even suspect uh, knew how to do that. Clark Gable was one of them. Interesting. And now, and you you said you had a lot of rejection in your early years in showbiz, as most people do. Well, you had to make a shift too, Ken. Right? I mean, we should point out that that you you said at the very beginning of the interview that musicals, the big musicals, were dying. So didn't you have to make a shift? Say, I'm I'm I think I'm going to be an actor now as opposed to a song and dance man. Uh, yes. No, you'd think that anybody with half a brain would know that you have to act if you're going to be a, a song and dance man in a movie. But I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, well, oh, that's something that you do between dance numbers. You know? <laughs> now and uh, I never took it seriously at all. And then I, um, I got this job. I was going to school on the GI Bill learning, uh, you know, stuff that I didn't know. Um, uh, including acting, and uh, also I wanted to take ballet class. I wanted some solid background as a as a dancer. I, I wanted to improve, but then I got a job offer to go to Las Vegas and uh, be in this review with Abbott and Costello. Oh, tell us about that. And uh, well, we did some some familiar. Th well, I, I was involved in. In doing one sketch, I remember that was um, from their movie Buck Privates. Sure. Yeah, where I had to uh, do the uh, military drill and hit Lou on the head. You know, of course he had a uh, a helmet on, but, but still, <laughs> he, wa he wanted he really wanted me to hit him. <laughs> what was the sketch? <laughs> I don't remember now. Uh huh. But I remember doing that. And I, I did a number uh, that was written, uh, special material, for the opener. And I did a song and dance. And uh, then I worked in, in sketches and uh, and some, you know, and musical uh, now, uh, things here and there. Abbott and Costello, I heard, didn't get along with each other. Well, I don't know how they did earlier in life, but uh, they were really at the end of their uh, association. 
because this was the last time they ever appeared together. This was 1956. How, how long were you in the act, Ken? I beg your pardon? How long were you in the act with Abbott and Costello? You I just... think it ran for about three weeks, or maybe four weeks, mm-hmm. in you... December of 1956. You did a lot of TV in the 60s. Uh, Ken, after this, I mean, you were in things like Dr. Kildare and the Dick Van Dyke show and No Time for Sergeants, the spinoff of the movie and Rawhide and Combat and Hazel. And you were you were doing a lot of television. Yeah, I I was a day player, though. You know, I was not uh, doing any big parts. Sure. Now That one uh, Hazel, that was the biggest job I I'd ever had. And that was four days long. Mm hmm. So I was on a weekly. That was that was a big deal for me, and, and a very pleasant place to work. And did Honestly, you... I've I've never, I, I've rarely uh, had a bad experience in my life, on uh, you know on sets. I, it was such a nice time that I had. I was, you know, if I knew that I could keep that going, I could have been a day player all my life. You know, that was <laughs> Not complained. <laughs> Now, I, it's funny because I was uh, talking to the, this actor friend of mine, James Karen, an old character actor, and he said he never understood these uh, contract players who complained because he thought being under contract and just being told, okay, you're doing this show or this movie this week was the greatest thing in the world for an actor. Yeah, yeah. I I know, and a lot of people did uh, fight that. They wanted to get out of those contracts. And what it really did for actors is that it made stars out of uh, character actors. People, you know, wouldn't even know their names if it hadn't been for that, uh, those talent programs and those contract players. You know, you've—I don't know if you've ever seen that those famous photos. There was some uh, motion picture made of it, too, of all of the stars, or most of the stars that they could get together for a luncheon at MGM. Oh, oh yes. sure, yeah, yeah. Oh God, it was—it's really amazing uh, how many really fun character actors there were, and, and you- uh, they had. Security. They had financial security, and that was great. I was telling Gilbert, and I, I, I hope I have this right, Ken, because we do a lot of uh, internet research, and uh, we know we're both uh, savants about this stuff, so we know a lot of stuff anyway. <laughs> but I, did, did you I, just... idiot savant? <laughs> idiot savant is the key word. Here. Did you do uh, did you do song and dance numbers on stage with Andy Griffith and Jerry Van Dyke, and and were they a comedy team at one point? No, they they weren't, but um, they were friends. And I think that they had uh, worked together before. I see. And they just added me to the act. And uh, and I went to Las Vegas, and uh, I, I'm telling you, I was the worst act that ever played Las Vegas. <laughs> you mean that? I really am. Reminded me of what Wally Cox told me about playing Las Vegas. You know, he just uh, or playing nightclubs for that matter. You know, he he got he made his big uh, splash with um, Mr. Peepers. Sure. Do you are you familiar? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. And he told me about the places that he had worked, and one of them he he stood on the bar (laughs) 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 while the people were drinking. You know. And uh, and they would make comments about his shoes. 
Why do you say you had a bad a bad act? Oh, I was terrible. I just <laughs> I, I couldn't do uh, yeah I couldn't afford to fix it. I couldn't hire anybody. I'd always spent the money, and uh, God, it was a nightmare. But uh, Jerry Van Dyke, I, I sat and watched him uh, every night, and he just uh, he was terrific. I really liked him. Yeah. Jer- and Jerry. Andy, yeah. Andy was a good friend, and uh, we we were good friends for quite a few years there. And and then he moved back to North Carolina. And and Jerry Van Dyke, for those who don't know, uh, is Dick Van Dyke's brother. And he starred in the Immortal Show, My Mother the Car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the car was voiced by Ann Southern, who you also worked with. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was on the last year of her uh, of her show, the Ann Southern show, and and uh-huh. we should let the audience know for those who don't remember it that my mother, the car, <laughs> was a show where a guy's mother dies and is reincarnated as a car. Yeah, she was a, was a Studebaker <laughs> yeah. or something. I miss. I know I'm misspeaking. And he would talk you? to his mother, the car. <laughs> yes, I know. I, yeah. And they actually got that past somebody. <laughs> well, you know, for for years that was that was the infamous punchline. You know, for years, Ken, that show. Uh, yeah, well, but Jerry told me that uh, when they premiered, uh, he was he was all he was very happy to get a series, of course. Sure, tickled to death. And um, on the night that they went on the air for the, for the first time. They, it was the first night that they premiered this, I think it was called the movie of the week or something, on an opposite channel. And uh, and they ran a, a movie that had been a blockbuster called The Bridge on the River Kwai. Sure. And Jerry said, hell, I was watching that. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't watching his own show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when you were doing all that television in the in the '60s, you know, and I didn't know this either, you worked with George Burns on a show called Wendy and Me. Yeah, George Burns and Connie Stevens. Yeah, we're fans. And that was um, at Warner Brothers, and uh, th- that was another really decent job. I, I got four days on that one too. Uh huh. And um, the, at that time, Warner's was uh, thinking about getting back into the television business. They had been very big in the television business in really early days, you know, a few years back before that. And, and Connor Stevens was one of the contract players. You know, they paid their people uh, a very little money, but that's the idea. You know, you hope that you make an investment in somebody and they uh, and they become a star and they make big, big bucks. And what was George Burns like to work with? Oh, I, just great. He's a very good, uh, gentle soul. He was kind of on the quiet side. And uh, I ran into him quite a few times over the years after that. And he was um, always funny. And uh, these are the guys that I idolized growing up. You know, people I heard on the radio, you know, when I was a kid. And... uh, Met people like him and Jack Benny, and you know, God, oh, it was. And just, what, just what was Benny like? Another favorite. Oh no, he was terrific. I don't. I, they have never heard a bad word about him. No, everybody on everybody that's done our show just talks about what a saint he was. Uh huh. 
Yeah, and uh, old Milton Berle, Groucho Marx. Yeah, and, you must have had these pinch me moments, Ken. You're a small, ki- small kid from a small town in Illinois, and now you're working with with the uh, with with the you know George Burns and Milton Berle. And what was Groucho yeah. Groucho Marx like? Oh, he he was and he was. I'm really pardon me. I'm I'm going to take another swig. <laughs> what are you drinking, Ken? I wish. I wish. No, it's uh, aloe vera juice. Is <laughs> and um, anyway, he. Uh, I was married back then in the early '60s, and uh, and my wife was always looking for work, and she uh, she was on a couple of different game shows, and one of them was You Bet Your Life. We should just say, uh, not to interrupt you, but that you were married to the actress Jackie Joseph, who was uh, very popular in the '60s. Yeah, correct. Worked a lot. Yeah, and uh, she was on uh, the Doris Day show. Yep. She had a, that's the yep. best sure. part. And some movies and stuff. Yeah, she worked uh, a lot. Now, we met doing the Billy Barnes review when we were youngsters. Anyway, they... Um, she was doing working with Groucho, you said, on You Bet Your Life. Yeah, yeah. She, well, she was a contestant on the show. And he just uh, was crazy about her. <laughs> she looked really good. <laughs> and uh, he was crazy about her. And she was funny. Jackie's funny. So uh, then somehow or another, uh, they decided to bring her back w- with her husband. And so I got to go on the show myself. I, and uh, that's how we met. Now, I've run in. I ran into him several times after that. Groucho. Yeah, parties and stuff, you know. And um, and he just was uh, kind of soft-spoken, and he, and he didn't uh, necessarily try to be funny, you know. But uh, but I was I was uh, starstruck. You know? <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. And and talk, the Burns show, and I don't know if I have our, uh, my information right. Did the Burns show uh, somehow lead to F Troop? Which, which, oh, yes, the, the, yeah, when, uh, yeah, Wendy and me. And uh, anyway, Connie went to the heads of the TV department. and uh, at, War- knew, at, at Warner's? Yeah, at Warner's. She knew, she knew them well from before and went to bat for me and said, uh, you ought to take a look at this guy. You're casting, uh, they were doing about five or so pilots at that time, and uh, one of them was um, Ensign O'Toole, and that's the one I was interested in, <laughs> because I'm a big fan of Jack Lemons, mm-hmm. and I and I always thought that I could do that uh, kind of work, and so, uh, but the, they weren't interested in me for that, and so they, they tested me, and I got the job for uh, F Troop. And uh, not knowing really anything about it until I picked up the script, and uh, and it was really funny. And I don't I don't know that I've ever seen at, at that point if I had ever seen a comedy western. I mean, just totally, you know, a broad sure comedy western. And it was just such fun, and it actually everything worked out. You know, I was I I was the first person cast. So I was reading and doing screen tests with uh, the people who came in uh, reading for parts, you know. And, and I, I was on camera. I, I'm, and so 
I heard that Larry Storch was coming in, and I was a big fan of Larry's. Mm-hmm. From uh, as are we. Yeah, what? we we had him on the podcast. Oh yes. Yeah, I mentioned that to you when we first called yeah. you, Ken. I think he was yes, our third, our third, our, our third or fourth guest, and we love the man. Yeah. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah, I just became good friends and uh, socialized together. Anyway, I was I was thrilled because Larry was going to be coming in, and I was hoping that he would get the part of Sergeant O'Rourke because that was the only character, the the part of uh, uh, Corporal Agarn, which Larry pay, played, uh, was not yet written. They just created that for Larry because they couldn't, you know, they didn't want to lose Larry and hire uh, Forrest Tucker, who just was uh, Sergeant O'Rourke, you know, that were on the page. Sure. You, you envisioned that guy. And here's this guy. He came in on the set when, when he was testing, and uh, and he's like 6'5 or 6'4 or something like that, and he's a big, burly Irishman. He's just exactly well, as the... Uh, the writers had uh, depicted him on the page. And I was afraid that Tuck was going to get the job. Uh, I knew he was going to get the job, and then that I wouldn't get a chance to work with Larry. But uh, they worked it out, and uh, <laughs> the rest is history. Tell I've, never history. Had, I've never had a better time in my life. Now, you on that show were like the, a very clutchy guy, constantly tripping over things and falling. Uh-huh. And that's where I guess your uh, song and dance uh, experience came in handy. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it because I didn't know I could do that, and uh, so and it, it, I, it's something that I kind of added when we were doing the series of screen tests, testing the other actors, and I, I added. Uh, as an actor, you know you're constantly going out on, uh, you know, to read, and you got to find a way to get a hook when you go in that room and you're going to uh, do a cold reading, and and uh, if you can just find something to uh, to pick up something that's available in the office and do something with it so that that they remember it, you know, and so I I got a, to be a, a, an actor who liked working with props and stuff. And so I added that uh, to that character, and then they got so they they would write. Uh, they they wouldn't uh, physically describe in detail the physical comedy that they wanted. They would just say a business to be worked out with Ken on the set. That's great, uh, and that's what uh, you know, Buster Keaton. Uh, called uh, this physical comedies, uh, these bits, uh, gags. I didn't, I didn't know that, and that's where the uh, the gag writers came in. But it, it just occupies a lot of space on the page, and people kind of lose interest. They get, now, now when, they, uh, their when, eyes glaze over. Yeah. When you were doing this, and you got. And, and it was always funny because it was very graceful. There's that practice. there's that one episode I don't want to interrupt with with that with it opens where you're reading a letter, and you're walking across the the grounds of the fort, and there's five or six physical gags because your your eyes are on the letter. You remember yeah, this? But, and you 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 just about this, 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 you managed to avoid five or six mishaps. Yeah. There's a horse that doesn't hit you, and there's a water bucket, and there's a. Yeah, that was the first time. 
they, I ever got uh, a, a, a lot of advance notice. I think it was when we, uh, it was the opening of the second season. Yeah. And the first color episode. And um, so I think, I think at some point, <coughs> pardon me, they, uh, they had given me this notice of something that they wanted. They wanted to do a tracking shot and they wanted to be it on, uh, in the town on the loading dock. And uh, they described the scene to me. And so I got together with the prompt guy and, and, uh, asked him if I could get these things out of the property department. You know, they were the major studios that are that old. They had all kinds of wonderful stuff, you know, in the, as far as pops were concerned and wardrobe. And anyway, uh, that, and, uh, I put that together and, uh, and that, yeah, it did. It worked out very well. Harvey Corman was um, the guest star on that episode, I think. Oh, how was Harvey to work with? Oh, he he was great. You know, he 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 got uh, a little a testy once in a while, but then he'd make fun of himself <laughs> for doing it. Yeah. Wasn't he the wasn't he the Prussian uh, bl- the, the the guy with the balloon and the and the dachshund the sh- name Schnitzel? Yeah, and yeah. the spiked helmet. That's yeah. right, right. Be, yeah, that's right. Be it, careful of it, my Schnitzel. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> he, ha- he hands Agar and the dog at one point. Now, yeah. was yeah. this the yeah. uh, famous episode of It Is Balloon? It is Balloon. Yes. Every kid. I used to say that back I'm then. trying to remember who it is. Is it Agarn or you that winds up in the hot air balloon? Yeah, that was Larry. It's Larry. What happened? The guy who owned the balloon was a, a stunt pilot, and he owned this balloon, and it was tethered so that it wouldn't just keep going up, you know, and they had to exit the shot, and... Uh, and the the pilot had to be down in the gondola, uh, controlling the the, the uh, gas flame. You know, uh-huh. it was a hot air balloon, and so it actually rose out of the picture, out of frame, but it was tethered, and the the place it was tethered, the eye that was t- attached to the bottom of the gondola was right in the middle, and when that thing reached uh, the end of its uh, travel and the line went taut the floor in the gondola buckled and it, and it was like v-shaped you know <laughs> and and larry and uh, i i thought everybody was going to fall out and, and to their deaths wow. <laughs> wow. now and harvey corman of course uh became world famous from the carol burnett show yeah later on uh-huh. and um but you Doing all these pratfalls and physical comedy got a very, uh, very flattering fan. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's right. I think I know what you mean. Yeah. The um, this was one of the first times I I did a uh, a fairly complicated fall, and uh, I I come out of the uh, the door to my office. And I just, I turn an ankle, you know, kind of rolls under on me and, uh, and I bang into a pole and, and go around and, and I wind up stepping off the porch and then going over the guardrail and, um, 
I had uh, talked to the wardrobe guy about putting a flesh-colored elastic band so nobody could see it, uh, so I could keep my hand on, uh, my, my hat on when I went over the guardrail and did a cartwheel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then when I went over and I was upside down, my hat still wanted to come off, so I, I used one hand to, to put the hat back on. And and one hand on the ground, and I did a cartwheel, and I and I stood up and walked out of the scene and into the scene with uh, Larry, and then I did a business a piece of business with his uh, folded up cavalry hat and my uh, riding crop. <laughs> I was a I was a guy who had been away and had met uh, General Custer, and uh, and he wanted to be a pattern, and Parmenter wanted to pattern his life after. His hero, you know, and he was real, and uh, it went to his head. He was pompous and everything. A- anyway, the whole thing is is much better on uh, film than I'm describing. Yeah. <laughs> it but, just happened. It's so, like the accident of my hat coming off and then yeah. putting it back on with my other hand. Well, it all evolved. So, so who and was? Then, yeah, go ahead. And I got a call one night from Buster Keaton. And he, Buster, was very uh, quiet. He was very quiet. I mean, he he would talk with some of his old buddies, and uh, and he loved my wife, and he talked with her fine. But he was kind of on the quiet side with me. And he said, "That was a good gag you did last night." And more words than I'd ever heard. I <laughs> <laughs> but it came from Buster Keaton. And yeah. this, this is Buster Keaton. Yeah. The silent screen star who was known for brilliant physical comedy. And Pratt Falls, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he, yeah, he was uh, a heck of a filmmaker. Boy, he was, uh, I mean, he he did some wonderful stuff. And he was a fan of yours. What did that yeah, feel like? Believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> what did that feel like? Well, it, it was the highest praise. It's like uh, somebody like Fred Astaire saying, that was a, a good routine you did last night. <laughs> hey, Gilbert and I love F Troop, uh, Ken. We were talking about some of the cameos, the, small, uh, the smaller parts of the guest shots, I should say. Vincent Price, one of Gilbert's favorites, and uh, Uncle Milty was on the show playing, uh, yes. playing uh, a Wise Owl, I believe. Yes. Well, he was a spy. Now, he was a, turned out to be a spy. What was <laughs> what was Uncle Milty like to work with? Well, uh, now, now he had a reputation of being difficult sometimes, but he, uh, he was just fine uh, when when I worked with him. I liked him very much, and I ran into him more often than any other of the old timers I knew uh, be, at parties because he just happened to like to get out and socialize, you know. So he was always out there. And Frank Frank warned me not to say anything, but Milton Berle and Forrest Tucker... Uh-oh, watch out, Ken. <laughs> you know where he's going. ...were both rumored to be incredibly well-endowed. <laughs> That's what I hear. They <laughs> <laughs> were both kind of uh, famous for that. Did right? you... <laughs> were you ever actually changing with either one of them? <laughs> 
I apologize for him, Ken. He's terrible. He, you know, he, he, asked, he asked Larry Storch the same question, and Larry wouldn't take the bait either. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you can. <laughs> I don't think you can say those things on any medium. No. So yes, you can. Yes, you can. What about, what about Rickles? Rickles played Bald Eagle on the show. Oh, he, he tickles me to death. You know, yeah. I just uh, I loved his humor. And um, I was... Over the years, you know, uh, back in the uh, 60s, in the late 50s, I did a series of musical reviews with uh, the Billy Barnes, uh, uh, that, that Billy Barnes had written, music and lyrics. And anyway, I was working at the Cornet Theater on La Cienega Boulevard in Los Angeles. And he used to be across the street at the Slate Brothers. And that's the, the, the first thing, I think that's one of the first things he said to me. He said, you know, when I was at the Slate Brothers, I'd look across the street and I'd see the marquee and say, come in and see Ken Berry, boy tap dancer. He <laughs> said, I was there for two years. I never saw anybody go in or come out. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he insulted you upon meeting him. I, I heard, I heard Rickles, like on stage and off, would have these like hysterically funny insults. Oh, yeah, he was great. The, uh, just as fast as could be, you know. Now, we, Gilbert didn't know this, and I found this out recently, uh, Ken, that there was a live F Troop review that, that uh, your manager sold to Harris, sold them on the idea of you guys doing this? Yeah, we did. Uh, and we also did uh, a rodeo and uh, in Phoenix. Wow. And then, uh, then we did... Uh, went ahead and put together a, uh, a slightly improved act. You know, we're much better as individuals, I think, than we were as a group. But, but people loved that show what, a what, lot. What was the live F Troop show? Was you, Forrest, Tucker, Larry, and what, Jim, Jim Hampton? Jimmy J- Hampton, James yeah. Hampton? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the, we had an opening number. Uh, we hired a choreographer, and they hired uh, a guy to do special material, and and uh, and then each of us uh, t- took some time. I didn't have any any material to speak of, so I, I didn't take up too much time uh, on a, an individual act. But but Tuck was a good raconteur, and I'll bet. And he sat and talked, and uh, and you know Larry's brilliant as far as I'm concerned. I used to love him when he uh, when he took over for Jackie Gleason that. Oh, well, I, I don't know how long it, it lasted in the summertime, but they, they used to have summer replacement shows that replaced the, you know, the stars and give them a little mm-hmm. rest. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many shows they were doing in those days, but uh, uh, anyway, I, it seemed to me I watched Larry for a long time, and I became a huge fan of his. Larry Storch. He oh, he's the best. He's the best. And you guys got yeah. together recently in L.A. and did a little uh, appearance, didn't you? Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, to honor Larry's career. Yeah, and uh, he was going to uh, uh, close up the shop. <laughs> it was going to be his last performance. Yep, on stage, and uh, they they did it at um, uh, a place where well the the building was there when when Larry got out of the service, he got out of the navy, and he came to uh, Los Angeles, and he ran into uh, 
uh, Desi Arnaz and, and Lucille Ball. And Desi was working at the Ciro's. Oh, it's now the at, comedy store, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, and then uh, that all happened uh, just, uh, you know, just in a few uh, minutes. She just said uh, something about come by and uh, and and do your act, and we'll take a look at you, and uh, you know, and he just it, it began yeah. his career. You know, yeah, just, yeah. Larry, Larry was telling us about that. That's so uh, funny. Now, years later, your old pal Andy Griffith would be leaving his show, the Andy Griffith Show, where he was Sheriff Taylor, and how did you wind up? To be on Mayberry RFD. I was going to be on a, a special with uh, Carol Burnett. It was her first special before she started her weekly show. And uh, she, uh, this was with Rock Hudson and, and Frank Gorshin and wow. myself. Wow. Yeah, I think it was called Carol and Company or something like that. And... Uh, my, uh, things were not going well with me. I'd finished. Uh, F-Troop had been canceled. I was devastated. And um, I was trying to uh, find out a way to light a fire under my representatives. And uh, it wasn't working. So I uh, I decided to try to get a personal manager. I thought maybe that would give me some more clout and get me up for some better things. And so... Uh, my wife wrote to this uh, to Dick Link, who was the president of the Personal Managers Association at that time, and asked him to take a look at me doing this special with Carol Burnett. He did, and then he called and he said that he wanted to represent me. And so that's how I met uh, Andy, because I met all the clients at one time, you know, at a party. I, I knew everybody. And... Uh, but Andy was not, he, I think he was approached about uh, maybe reading me for the part of uh, Sam Jones in Mayberry RFD, the lead. Mm-hmm. And, but but he, you know, he knew me from F Troop, and they didn't think that was the right way to go. And, and so uh, they, they saw everybody else in town, I think, uh, by the time they, they just, he just, he decided, Andy decided to bring me in and read. And we just hit it off. We both felt the same way about acting, and, uh, and we had a lot in common. And, and we got up and we did a scene that we just uh, that went very well. And you were the, and you the, were, you were a widower, right? You were a, you were a farmer and a widower. Yes, Sam Jones. Yes, and the but in the pilot, uh, the way it was. Uh, uh, structured. There was there was also a, another family, and the uh, and we shot it that way. There was an Italian family. I was supposed to have uh, been overseas in Italy while I was in the army. My character, and uh, then uh, I had offered uh, become friends with this Italian guy, and uh, I I offered him a, a you know come over and be my hired hand if he, if he wanted to sometime or if if uh, I don't need one maybe I could help him out and so he takes me up on it and and he brings his whole family and uh, that's the pilot that we shot but the network didn't want like that and so uh, the network went with uh, 
you know, the, the familiar things that happened in Mayberry and the familiar characters. They kept a lot of the characters that were already on it, and I'm sure that that helped, uh, uh, you know, no, keep the show going. And then Andy came back and he did guest shots for the first year and kept the ratings up, and it was doing, it did very well. Yeah, I think it was on for three years, Mayberry RFT. Yeah. And you, so the original cast, uh, Aunt B was there, Francis Bavier was there, uh, George Lindsay, who played Goober, was still there. Yeah, and so, uh, and a couple of other people, uh, of other people, the, uh, Paul Hartman was there. Oh, Paul Hartman and Jack Dodson. Like fix it, man. Right. And, um, Howard Sprague, Jack Dodson. Oh, yeah, Jack was a good friend. Yeah, they, um, well, the familiarity of the town and, and the, the way people like to visit Mayberry, you know, every week, every Monday night, you know, that uh, that was a habit that people had gotten into, and uh, that helped a lot, too. So the ratings were really good. I mean, yeah. we were in a, a number four or something like that the first two years. And then in the third year, they uh, there was the first year that they had um, Monday Night Football. Uh-huh. Now, that hadn't been on before. Now, and so that was we were on opposite that for part part of the country, and so that that hurt our ratings. But still, we were number fifteen that year, and and we still got canceled <laughs> because as somebody pointed out, it was the year that CBS canceled everything with a tree in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the uh, right the uh, the urban programming. Yeah, now, yeah. yeah. Uh, now rural program. You did a uh, a strange show. Kind of like, kind of like laughing, and it was called Wow, the Kenberry Wow Show. Uh, yes, we're very fond of that show. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm glad to hear somebody. And and well, they they were two complete unknowns on that show. I don't know what ever happened to them. Terry Gar and Steve Martin. That's correct. Yes, <laughs> the uh, we had a we had done a special. Uh, and I got that because I had been on the the last Andy Williams show that was on television. And these producers <laughs> liked what I had uh, done when I did my guest shot. And uh, they decided to do a special. And, and so from that, the network picked up the show, but only as a summer replacement show. So we only did five shows. And we did five shows in in three weeks. And right, Terry Terry Gar was in it, and uh, and Steve and Martin, Steve Martin. And, and Carl, and, and Carl and Gottlieb, Cheryl, Cheryl Ladd. Oh yeah, Cheryl Stoppelmore, as she was yeah, known at that time, right? <laughs> Soon to become and, Cheryl Ladd. And Frank uh-huh. and I, Frank and I were talking that one of the other people starring in it was Carl Gottlieb. Oh, I love Carl. Yeah, and he would later write Jaws. And The Jerk. Yeah, The Jerk with his old pal Steve Martin. Yeah. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, we discussed that, and I, uh, I never knew that. Yeah, when I, I, when I first called Ken, I told him that, that he had written Jaws, and it was a revelation <laughs> to Ken. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I got to know Carl a little bit in L.A. because he was very involved with the Writers Guild. By the way, he has that wonderful small part in The Jerk, Carl Gottlieb, where he's Iron Balls McGinty. <laughs> where, where Steve 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 Martin kicks does he, tries to kick somebody in the crotch, <laughs> and, he, and there's this there's this loud clang, 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I was watching the Ken Berry Wow Show. By the way, we should tell our listeners that it's available on YouTube. And it's quite surreal, Ken. There, there, there's you in an orange uh, uh, jacket and, and tap shoes. And you're, uh-huh. you're singing about Anna Mae Wong <laughs> and Faye Ray. And, they, and then just, Steve Martin stands up in the audience and does a comedy bit. And it's, oh, yeah. it's wild. I mean, it's a little like la- <laughs> it has that laugh in and kind of hell's a pop and, you know, anything can happen at any minute kind of quality. And it's at- very Olsen and Johnson. Olsen yeah. and Johnson, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. hell's a pop and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's, it's also – great admirers of that. that that's, that's what they did for uh, Andy Williams on his last show. The one that Andy did before that that was on for years – was uh, was more of a traditional uh, sure. variety show like Perry Como had, you know, back in those days. And in one part of the show that's kind of jaw-dropping is Hitler singing Call Me Irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, pretty edgy for 1972, Ken. <laughs> you can see it on YouTube, and I, I urge people to take a look at it because it, it's, it's, the, it's, it's really uh, sort of um, – the classic summer replacement show, in a way. Uh, yes, yeah. And, uh, Chris Beard and Alan Bly were the the producers. The Sonny and Cher guys. And oh yeah, they're, yeah. they're just a couple of. Uh, they're really nuts. And we 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 have to get to uh, Mama's family. Yeah. The uh, well, that you know that it's another case of uh, getting by with a lot of help from my friends <laughs> the, uh, this is the producer the the executive producer on that show uh was uh Joe Hamilton who had been married to uh, Carol Burnett and you and Carol went way back yeah yeah, yeah way back and I, I appeared every year on as a guest sure on the Carol Burnett show and I did several specials and they, they they kept using me, and, and they used me when nobody else would. I mean, they put me on a variety show. Remember the Gary Moore show from New York? Sure. Well, Carol was on that, and she was becoming a star from that. And she saw me in the Billy Barnes review and and talked them into using me as a guest star. You know, I'm making $50 a week. In, in Hollywood. <laughs> and I'm suddenly a guest star. <laughs> it's nice, oh, nice to have friends in high places. Oh, she was so good to me. That was it. Was just great. Anyway, what were, we were going someplace? Oh, that. you were talking about how you'd done so many Carol Burnett shows that eventually it led to Joe Hamilton uh, and Mama's Family. Oh, and Mama's Family, and of course, Vicky Lawrence, who had been on the Carol Burnett show for all those years, uh, had this character uh, from this sketch called the family sketch on the Carol Burnett show and it had these characters Mama and uh, Eunice Eunice was played by Carol and uh, anyway they wanted to uh, there was a very popular character that pardon me that Vicky did and uh, the Mama character and so they uh, decided to do, uh, try it as a series and so they called me again, you know, lucky me. And we went on the air in about 82, 83, something like that, on the network. And it didn't do that well on the network. But then Joe Hamilton just ran into somebody on the golf course one day and and uh, made a deal for uh, syndication after we were canceled. 
and so we had a break there. And but then we went back on the air, and almost from the the, the day one, we were the number one uh, new syndicated comedy in television. You know, they just it was that popular. And didn't you play two parts? Yeah. I mean, you were you were Vinton most of the time, but uh, weren't you another character in the first pilot and the Eunice pilot? Or you were two you were you played two different family members. Oh no that that was that was a uh, special uh-huh. that uh, in which uh, Vicky Lawrence's character Ma- Mama died, and there, there was a funeral uh, scene. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and, that, and then they brought her back to life for the uh, uh, for the television series. But, uh, <laughs> on the special, on the special, she uh, she died. No, that was the, the special was entitled Eunice. Now you, yeah, on on the on you knew um, uh, Aunt B, of course, Francis yes. Bavier. Francis Bavier. Now I heard she and Andy Griffith never got along. Oh, no, they were just from different worlds, pretty much, you know. But they, they liked each other. They, um, they, well, Andy just, he was a nose-to-the-grindstone kind of person on the set and in the reading room, you know, because he got like to get in on the writing end of it you know he liked to uh, spend a lot of time around that table usually you know as an actor and working for many years i was in and out of there you know we just read the script and then they'd figure out what they were going to change after the actors had left but now i'm i'm sitting in there with andy and he's going over you know this this the script of the fine tooth comb i mean he, he was serious about his work very very serious which I just want to go back to Ken Berry Wow Show just for one second, Ken. When you, we're working with Steve Martin, and this is, a, I guess, this is a question you've been asked. So forgive me if it's a, if it's a trite question. Did you have any sense that Steve Martin was going to become Steve Martin? Not a, a bit. I knew that he, uh, as well as Carl, they both had jobs on the uh, Smothers Brothers show, right? As writers, right. And so I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, these guys are just having a lark, you know, performing. And uh, and I thought Steve would go back to work as a writer, and he would stay a writer, and maybe he would perform here and there. Well, hell, after, after that show went off, I mean, it seems like no time at all, he was playing uh, the largest venues and packing them in. Oh, sure. He was the biggest, hottest comic going. He was like a rock star. Within a couple of years. I mean, he was hosting Saturday Night Live maybe three, four years after the fact. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Now, can you, can I just read off quickly a bunch of names? Some you already talked about. Uh, and you'll give us a quick opinion and uh, experience. Tony Randall. Uh, say that again, please. Tony, Tony Randall. Randall. From the Odd Couple, you did a movie oh. with Tony called "Hello Down There," which Gilbert and I love. <laughs> oh God, I love Tony Randall. I just think he's wonderful, and I actually made him laugh one time. I can't tell the story here, though. <laughs> you can, you can tell it. You, you can tell. Wait, wait. You can tell it. We're not on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. You, I mean, uh, <laughs> we were in the dressing room, which was attached. To the sound stage, we were on the outside though. The makeup room was outside, and Tony 
laughed like nobody I ever saw laugh. <laughs> he got down on the floor and just howled <laughs> into the baseboard. Yeah. He got right down on his force. And suddenly the door to the soundstage opened and they ran out. They thought somebody was being killed. <laughs> now, uh, and Ken, uh, there's no story you can't tell on this This podcast. is just recorded for the Internet, so it's not. Uh, it's not <laughs> oh, uh, no, I can't tell. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but, you know, i, I got to say that movie, that's another surreal piece of work. You, the Tony Randall plays a guy. I guess he's an architect or a yeah. scientist who's paid by, <laughs> do I have this right? He's paid by an ad agency to live underwater. To, yeah. to, to live in an and, underwater home, and you were the rival. And and Richard Dreyfus, a young Richard Dreyfus, sings a love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> drummer. He sings a love song to a goldfish. Yeah, he was a he was a young rock star. Sings a oh, song yeah. called uh, "Hey Goldfish." Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, but, and but, Arnold Stang was in that. Well, movie. the cast, Yeah, the cast was incredible. Mer- Merv Griffin's in it, and uh, yeah. Uh, it was Janet like an, Lee. It was like an acid dream, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> now, what about uh, yeah. one well, of our good time. one of our uh, favorites, star of uh, Planet of the Apes, most of all, Roddy McDowell, who was also oh, in that movie. Oh yeah, what a nice man he is. He's a good guy. I did another movie. Oh no, I didn't. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm mistaken. I know he was. Uh, that, that was a. The Cat from Outer Space was uh, a movie that was done at Disney. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with uh, Hans Conried and you yeah, and, and, and Jesse. a whole bunch of oh. really fun people to be on the set with. Tell Jesse us about White. Hans Conried. Yeah. He's Hans a favorite. Hans Conried, I'm a great fan, and I knew him uh, socially. You know, I ran into him quite a few times, but I, don't, I think that's the only time I ever worked with Hans. And Jesse White was also in that movie, too, who Gilbert and I love. Say that again. Jesse White. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesse, he was on the Ann Southern show. That's right. You did the Cat from Outer Space with him, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you worked with Helen Hayes. Yes. Yes. I couldn't believe it. I was uh, out of my league. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, so you did our Herbie, no, Herbie Rides she, Again with Helen Hayes. She was fun. Uh, my ex-wife... Uh, came to the set and they made and, and they got friendly and uh, our kids were about the same age as her grandkids and took everybody including Helen to uh, Disneyland one day and it was uh, and bought Helen her first McDonald's really a hamburger yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, she, she never went to Disneyland yeah. wow <laughs> so you witnessed the great Helen Hayes Eating her yes, first McDonald's the first, hamburger. Was the first lady of the American theater. That's, that's right. That's what they called she it. She was introduced on one of the radio shows, like Lux Radio Theater or something, and it stuck. <laughs> the first lady of the American theater. And and you also worked with Mr. Magoo himself, Jim Backus. Jim Backus. I love that guy. And you talk about people who get out socially. Uh, yeah, he and his wife, Henny. I used to see them all the time, and I worked on... His show, and now they had a schedule. It, it must. It was syndicated. I'm pretty sure, and an early syndicated show that I was on. Uh, it wasn't a lot of that in those days. Uh, they would start on on Monday, and uh, they would shoot until like Wednesday at lunch, and the show was finished 
And after lunch, they would start the next show and go through Friday. And uh, and everybody was tired, you know. It's, it's kind of a grueling uh, schedule, especially for a half-hour show. And uh, I'll tell you how long ago it was. He got a huge laugh with this. He walked out of the dressing room one day, and he was just tired. Oh, and he said, oh, God. There must be an easier way to make a hundred grand a year. And everybody <laughs> roared. That's great. That's a great line. How long ago that was. Great line. <laughs> that puts it all in perspective. Uh-huh. And and what about Bert Convey? Bert, I, he was in the Billy Barnes review. Sure. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, and he, we were social friends, and uh, I thought the world of him. And when we went back to New York with the Billy Barnes Review, uh, then Burke stayed on there. And uh, he had quite a bit of success there. But I think uh, most people know him from his uh, game show. Yeah, but he, was, he was a good actor, too. He was, did a lot of sitcoms, and the poor, poor man passed away at a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was well, talented. Uh, People thought of him as a game show host, but he was a good actor. Good with yeah. comedy. And, very nice very nice guy. And you worked with one of your idols, uh Donald O'Connor. Oh yeah. Donald hadn't worked in a long time and he was just kind of getting his feet wet again. And uh, uh we did a tour of uh, Sugar, you know, it's a musical version of the movie Some Like It Hot. Oh sure, yeah, yes. sure. Yeah, so you spend a lot of time in drag. Well, not my character, but I mean, I do. I do. I appear in drag, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, I had that idea to do a, a number as the girl, as dressed as the female, you know. And I went and talked to the the guy at Capizio, who used to do my tap shoes, you know. And uh, I, I tried to put together some shoes that looked like a, it had a heel on it, but it wasn't a real high heel because I was going to try to tap dance it. But that, that never, that part of it never worked out. It was just, it's, it's funny how, well, both of you know. I mean, there was a time when you could walk on stage just a man obviously dressed as a woman, and that would get the hugest laugh <laughs> and that's the way that show works. And you worked with the very funny and very crazy Jonathan Winters. I did, yes. I, as a matter of fact, I, I think I worked with him maybe more than once. The, I remember doing one show with him. Uh, that, oh. what, big pardon? I was going to say, does it, the Aloha Paradise ring a bell? Oh. That's where you work with Jonathan Winters. I found an old TV guide that had you listed with Jonathan Winters. I'll be darned. And Bill Daly. Yes, Bill Daly. Yeah, yeah. I recall. Yeah, I recall that experience. It was over at Universal. Yeah. The. Um, what was Winters well, like? I beg pardon. What was Jonathan Winters like, Ken? Oh well, I've uh, again. I'm a huge fan of his, and and he gave me. Well, it was the first time I'd ever seen anybody work like that. Uh, and, and Jonathan had his own show for a while uh, at uh, ABC Studios in uh, Oh, was, was that Jonathan's Attic? Hey, yeah, you're right. That's hey, very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a new one on me. Yeah. yeah. I walked in 
to there, and I remember Burt Reynolds was there, and Burt went on before I did, and then I went on, and, and as I recall, we just fed him lines, and he just just went with it, you know? Yeah. And and there's something wonderful and scary about that at the same time. <laughs> it just... You you wonder if he's ever going to come back. You know? I remember. And, oh God! Uh, Go ahead. He was brilliant. He was just brilliant. He was like Robin Williams, or Robin was like him. Well, yeah, Robin like worshipped Jonathan Winters. Yeah, and and I remember uh, Jonathan's attic was it was a place made to look like his attic, and he would just pick. He would just walk in and pick up a lampshade. Or a lawnmower or a broom and make an entire, yeah, That's great. just do an entire comedy bit. Yeah, he was wonderful. You know, I'm old enough to have seen him on The Tonight Show, you know, back when Jack Parr was doing it. Um, and because Jack Parr was a big fan of his, too. He just, well, he was in awe of him, as I recall. I, I believe I've got that uh, chronologically placed right. I think it was Jack Parr. Uh, anyway, he's, uh, he just, I just marveled at that, how anybody could do that. Ken, did you uh, ever think about writing a book about your, your Hollywood experiences and all the people you worked with? No. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made a think Nobody would buy it. Oh, come on. It would have made a great memoir. <laughs> I mean, you worked with every legend. <laughs> yeah. That, that's really the only reason anybody ever talks to me, because I, I knew somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're fans. Well, well, this uh, we're gonna start wrapping up now. You've been great. Uh, this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre, and we've been talking to the great singer, dancer, actor, and uh, star of TV, stage, and film, Ken Berry. And Ken Berry, I'm proud to say, said that Milton Berle won in a contest <laughs> against Forrest Tucker where they both dropped their pants. <laughs> Ken, Ken, before we go, we, we, sang, we sang some of the F-Troop theme with Larry. Do you remember any of it? Uh, the end of the Civil War was near when quite accidentally a hero who sneezed abruptly seized retreat and reversed it to victory. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Rare Indian fights are colorful, colorful sights, sights and nobody, nobody takes a licking. Yeah. Rare pale face and red skin both, both turn chicken. chicken. Okay, Ken, what's the rest? Uh, when something and fighting get them down, they know their morale. Melville won't sink. Is that right? Troop. Well, troop. <laughs> no, you need to rhyme with troop. Yes. They know their, don't need mor to. their morale won't troop. <laughs> I didn't write that. Ken, you're a great sport. As long as they all relax in, in town. town. Yeah, before they resume with a bang and a boom. Oh, yeah, troop. Yeah. And, oh, I want to tell you. I'm not, not going to stretch this out. But that no, was go ahead. About the best time in my adult life. Oh, that's great. No ah. contest. I've heard you heard it. You've referred to it as two years of rest of recess. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't believe how lucky I was. And and I, and I heard Forrest Tucker had a temper tantrum when he <laughs> lost to Milton Berle. <laughs> Ah, there's there's just no uh, there's no stopping him when he gets on a roll. Tim. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. This was a treat for oh, us. Okay. Thank really you. Talking to you guys. Thank you, Ken, Ken. Barry. Everybody, thank you, Ken, Ken Barry. Take care. Bye, bye, buddy. Thank you. Bye. This episode was brought to you by the Thai Bar. Visit thetiebar.com slash Gilbert and use promo code Gilbert50 for free shipping on orders of $50 or more. The Tie Bar. Wear your good tie every day. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to YouTube.com slash WaitForItComedy no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and i love you a few days ago brooke tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments thumbs up brooke geico also wants to make a comment in just 15 minutes you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to geico and nothing says inspiration better than saving money well except for those posters that say things like teamwork excellence and make it happen hashtag keep climbing hashtag savings geico 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance